17. I can say with all honesty, I have no memory. <laughs> you know, sometimes people say to me, Sister Bullet, do you remember when you said such and such? And I'll say no, and I don't. So it must be that the Lord says something and I'm not aware of it. Well, my last time here, and who knows whether I'll ever come again. So I want to leave you with something tonight. We've had a bit of a theme. I don't know if you've sort of noticed, but we have had a theme. And so tonight, it is also the same theme, but in a different way. Before I came, I believe in my heart that the Lord is bringing revival. The Lord is bringing revival. And I feel it in this church. I feel surrounded with it in this church. But you see, before we can have revival, you have to be prepared. Because you see, when God begins to bring in these lost souls, if you yourself are lost, if you yourself don't know where you are with God, God can't use you for those who are crippled and sick. So you have to be sharp. You have to be exactly where God wants you to be. There is nowhere in God's kingdom for mediocre Christians. And that is what I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk about mediocre Christianity. I'm not talking about this church, please believe me. I'm talking about Christians everywhere. But it applies to all of us. There is a proverb and 18 and it says the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day what a beautiful scripture have you ever wondered about it I read it in a number of different translations one of them said the path of the righteous is like the light of the dawn approaching and that it shines ever more brightly until the day is full. Another one says the path of the righteous is like the light of the dawn going on and brightening unto a more radiant day. The psalmist is speaking about a child of God. The sun comes up. Then, as he travels along the path of his life, the light grows brighter and brighter, and it should become like the appearing of the dawn, whose light glows ever brighter until it reaches the perfect day. How beautiful is that? He's talking about our lives. He's talking about our lives. During the prayer session at the General Conference, I stated my belief was that we can all pray differently. We all have different ways of praying. But I also believe that each of us grows in a different way. We progress differently. We're all at different levels of where we are with the Lord. And after all, if all Christians developed the same rate and reached the same state, why did Jesus Christ say that there were three distinctions in the Christian life. Mark 4 and 20 tells us, and these are they which are sown 
on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. There's going to be three different types of Christians in that good soil. And they're going to bring forth different harvests, different quantities of fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100. Now, that is, dis- that is making a distinction among us. Some, he said, will bring forth 30, 60, and some 100. He also said that some will rule over many cities and some over a few cities. I believe he was indicating that there would be some higher positions than others in the kingdom of God. Now, we don't want to really think about that. We would like to think we're all equal. That's what the communists want. But we're not all equal. We're not all equal. Those who strive harder will reach a higher place. If we were all alike and expected to be on the same level or standing when we arrive at the resurrection... Why did the Apostle Paul write to the Philippian churches and, and church in chapter 3, 7 to 16, telling them that he had suffered the loss of all things and counted them as dung, that he might win Christ and be found in him, that he may know him in the power of his resurrection and be conformable unto his death, if by any means he might attain unto that superior res- resurrection? So you see, Paul evidently believes that there's something greater in the resurrection, different levels that you can achieve in it. He wanted to seek or attain a higher level than others. In order to experience something, we have to believe in it. Could this be the reason why so many born-again Christians stay where they are, day in, day out, week in, week out, year in, year out? Pastors bring special speakers in to revive our hearts and to, you know, give us a bit of a, a lift. But, you know, the reason, really what happens is that after the speakers have gone, after one or two or three weeks, things go back to normal and things just keep going along. Is that right or not? Yeah, that's right. We all go to conference because we want to get a bit of fire in us and get all zapped up to take on the coming year by the time you get to January. Oh, hum, oh, hum. Oh, it's all the same. We've forgotten it. But it shouldn't be like that. It should not be like that. One of the sad things I've noticed throughout the years and traveling around different churches is that especially in older saints, older saints, that they, they come in young and they have fire and love for the Lord. They have desire. And then when I see them 30 years later, it's like all the fire's gone out. It fizzled out and they're just sitting there coming to church every week. And they haven't moved an inch. They haven't progressed an inch. I know quite a few Christians who have faithfully attended the services. 40, 50 years are still in the church. They may remember, if you talk to them sometimes when I chat with them, they remember when they were converted. They remember when they got the Holy Ghost. They can tell me all about the older preachers who came through, the wonderful revival services. They know all this. But they haven't been revived themselves. They're still the same. 
they're still sitting in the same pew. Nothing's happened. Nothing's changed. And I think to myself, oh, I, I wouldn't want to be doing that, you know. So I'm reading a book just now written by an unknown author. It's called The Cloud of Unknowing, and it was written 600 years ago. The author writes that there are four stages in the Christian life and experience. He maintains that many among us are mediocre Christians. Now, I've never heard that saying before, mediocre Christians. And he refers to these as the mob. I thought, boy, they wrote like that 600 years ago. (laughs) There must have been mobs then. So then special Christians are next. So the first lot of Christians are mediocre Christians. The second lot, he calls them special. And he said, these are the ones who have moved on a little. They've taken more ground in battle. And um, the next lot are singular Christians. All he says about them is they're unusual. And lastly, the perfect Christians who, by the grace of God, start here on earth and finish in heaven. I hope we are all perfect Christians in here, right? Now, he said that the first three can live and end in this life, live and end in this life, but the fourth lot, that's the perfect Christians, they can only start here, but they finish in heaven. Our perfection will never be finished on earth. Never. But we have to attain to it. We have to work towards it. And I wonder if Paul understood this. I think that is what Paul means when he writes about not counting himself as having already apprehended or having already been made perfect. He understood we're going to start here, but it's going to be striving and working and laboring to get to that perfection. When we're born again, we have certainly entered into the perfection that we receive from Jesus Christ, but we haven't gone the full way. Paul says, not as though I had already attained, either we're already perfect, but I follow after, what does he say? Forgetting those things that are past. And this is what I want to tell you tonight. We've got to forget the past, anything about the past. We have to focus our eyes on Jesus, and we have to now start to live for him. Those of us who have failed the Lord in some ways, we must forget about it. Forget what's behind. Pick up where you are right now and get up that mountain. Press up that mountain. You've got to gain more ground. Jesus is not interested in what you did in the past. When you've asked his forgiveness, it's under the blood. And if you said to him, Lord, do you remember such and such? He would say, no. It's gone. So when you go to him and you ask forgiveness for whatever, he has already forgotten it. So you start where you are right now and start pushing forward. In the light of the fact the Apostle Paul was an ordinary man like us, was he an ordinary man? Of course he was. The only unordinary man or inordinary man was Jesus Christ. But he was ordinary like us. He was born again like us. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Was was the Holy Spirit any different? No. It's the same Spirit that we're filled with. 
But when we consider his commitment and desire, what can we say about the shameful mediocrity of our lives? What of their life and experience, everyone that's out there? What are their reasons for not moving forward in the plan of God? What's our reasons for not moving forward in the plan of God? Let's have a look at that word mediocre. It means just plain ordinary, common, common rank, common, quality in quality, common in ability. A common Christian is one who is of ordinary quality and ability. He's not distinguished by superiority of any kind. He's begun, yes, he's begun. He does believe, yes, he believes. He may still carry his Bible, but he isn't distinguished for spiritual attainment in any way. And I'll let you ponder whether this describes your spirituality in Christianity. You can all have a little think about that. Mediocre, average, ordinary, unexceptional, run-of-the-mill, second-rate, commonplace, middle-of-the-road. These are all synonyms of the word mediocre. And I have to tell you, I hate the word. I hate it. And I would hate for it ever to be applied to me. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't ever like to be mediocre. Now, here's an interesting thing about the word itself. It comes from two Latin words that literally mean halfway to the peak or halfway up the mountain. That means for any Christian who's mediocre, they're halfway to where they're going to go. And that is where they stop. When I think about it, it reminds me of Israel on the way to the promised land. They got as far as Kadesh Barriah, and they stopped right where they were. They didn't go any further. Mediocre Christians are halfway up the mountain. They're between the valley and the peak. Some of them have actually settled down, and the tragedy is that when they start their climb, started their climb, they said, I'm going to push to the top. I'm going to give God my best. So their best must be mediocre. Who wants to be mediocre? No hands? No mediocre Christians in here? Well, praise God, I'm glad. Because when I come to visit you again, I'll be expecting to see tongues of fire sitting on your head. In sharing the prayer session on Wednesday night, I began by relating the story of a man called John Gossip. He was a man who had a very close walk with God, but one week he was so busy he hadn't time to spend on preparing his sermon. And he said that Jesus met him on his way to the pulpit and said to him, Gossip, is this the best you could do this week? And Gossip said, Yes, Lord, that is the best. And Jesus took that poor, wretched sermon and he gave an unction so that it blew like a trumpet. Do you really think that this halfway Christian life is the best that you can offer Jesus? Did Jesus offer you a halfway best life? No. 
He gave you it all. He went the full way. Think of all that he offers us by his blood and by his spirit and by his sacrificial death on the cross and by his resurrection of the dead, from the dead, sorry, and by his ascension to the right hand of God and by his sending forth the Holy Spirit. He went the whole way. So in the light of what he's offered us, why have some of us settled halfway? Why are there so many mediocre Christians? Why settle for little pleasures, little joys that tickle and charm? Now, you might not have realized that I'm talking about what I spoke about this morning. We have settled for less. We've become mediocre. We've been born again. We have his life. And yet when he calls us to the top of the mountain, we begin to quibble and murmur and try to bargain. But Lord, what's it going to cost me? I want to go, but I want to know what it's going to cost me. Will it cost me money? Will it cost me hardship? Will it be safe? I thought about that going into Jaya when I saw the pictures of the natives with the bones through their nose. Will it be convenient? Will it be fun? I've read about churches today that have started to give young people religion and fun. They mix them. Jesus never offered amusement or entertainment to his disciples. Never. But today we offer both in order to keep the people. That's because they're mediocre Christians. Because fun and popularity seem to go hand in hand. Some say, Oh Lord, will I still be popular if I follow the way? Weaklings, weaklings. They have to have the support and the approval of their group because they're afraid to stand alone. They want to fit in. They want others to bolster their flagging courage. They're avoiding the path of standing alone for God. I thank God that he's always given me the strength to stand alone for him. I don't march to the beating of the world's drum. I march to the beating of Jesus Christ's drum. Many of God's people have hesitated at times, tried to bargain with him. They met him at conversion. They understood how their lives would be changed, and yet they still carry the marks of mediocrity. They've seen the wonderful things that the Lord has done in their lives. Deliverance from many things, wonderful changes, and they accept them, they receive them, and then they sit themselves down and say, right, that's it. I'm happy where I am. I'll sit down halfway up the mountain. I'm saved. But like those in the prayer session who had stopped praying because they don't know how to pray, the important thing is this. They haven't exhausted God's love. We can get up and start moving again at any time. It doesn't matter what has transpired. It doesn't matter. The important thing is that we put behind us all of our personal 
beefs and murmurs and whatever it is and get on with the job that God has given us. One of the oldest tricks and most successful in discouraging God's people is to get them to look back at what they were. You become discouraged. You think, I'll never make it. We can't move on with God until we lift our eyes up to Jesus and stop looking at ourselves and stop looking at our circumstances. We have not to spend time looking back and looking in. Don't look inward. Believe me, it will destroy you. I've done it. We're told to look forward. The Lord is more than able to take care of our past. And when we come to him and confess where we are, he pardons us instantly, forgives us completely, and his blood makes us worthy. The Lord has been impressing on me the urgency of calling his people to rise up. Get out of your place of comfort. Get back into the battle and take more ground. He said, we are settled on our lease. It's time to take up our cross and stand in our place. The time for relaxation and comfort is over. When I was preparing this message, an old song came into my mind. Uh, probably Brother Frost would remember it. Who wants to be a millionaire? I don't. <laughs> and when I was preparing this, that song came into my mind, and I thought to myself, who wants to be a mediocre Christian? I don't. <laughs> I want my Jesus to say to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. What about you? Are you content to be a mediocre Christian? Or are you going to pursue the Lord with passion and vision? This church has started revival. You have to get yourselves prepared and ready. Now, you can do it yourselves, but if you don't, then God will bring something into your life which will revive you, and you might not like it. Hmm. The Lord will help you if your desire is there to start again, to give him your best, to remove from your lives anything and everything that is going to hinder the climb up that mountain. You are on a journey you're halfway just now, and whatever you do, you don't look back. You keep climbing up. Don't stop where you are. Musicians, please. A short message tonight. I could have made it a lot harder, but I didn't. I felt a bit sorry for you. I'm leaving tomorrow morning. I don't know if I'll ever come back again, but I'm waiting to hear anxious to hear of great revival in Northside Pentecostal Church. I believe that every one of you can add one more person to this church. There are people out there who are desperate, desperate lives. No one to help them because we are comfortable where we are. We are comfortable. When you read the Gospels, Jesus didn't seem to rest very much. He was always on the move. 
He was always going where there were crowds of people. I went into the markets last Friday night with Sister Gina and Stephanie and Sister Kathy. And I looked at a woman. I think it was a woman. I'm not sure it was a woman or a man. But they were on a little podium outside David Jones, in between David Jones and Meyer. And he, they were shouting and crowds of people crowded round about watching. And it seemed to me that what they were shouting and speaking about was absolute dribble. Why don't we have our people there every Friday night? Why aren't we out there getting crowds and telling them that Jesus Christ is the answer to every problem that they've got? Why are we comfortable in our homes and in our work? Who's going to go? Who's going to go into those places, into the malls and into the marketplaces? Or are you sitting waiting for someone else to do it? It's not going to happen. You're the ones that the Lord filled with the Holy Spirit. You're the ones that he's given the power. You're the ones who are fed bread every week. You have the scriptures, you have the word, you have the spirit. There's nothing else he can give you. If you don't use what he's giving you, you'll stand one day and you'll answer, why not? I'm too old now, but I still do what I can do. But I'm looking at the younger people here, those who are still strong. Rise up, rise up and take the word of God out into the community and speak to people. Get up off your lees. Don't settle yourselves where you are because you'll die where you are. The altar is open if you want to.